Hey there, so wandering the halls of this building last week, I came across a poster that asked, is your buddy only useful for parties? It was a poster from the psychology department looking for participants for an experiment. I found the question kind of strange, but was intrigued, so I contacted the main experimenter to see what it was all about. Her name is Biru Ju, Jo. Sorry, uh, She's a doctoral student at the Cultural Health and Personality Lab, headed by Professor Andrew Ryder. The lab is part of the psychology department, and after looking at their website, I was curious to know how culture could be studied in terms of psychology. Culture. I say the word and you know what it means, but what if I asked you to define it? Stuart Hall. Okay, well, I would have trouble coming up with an all-encompassing definition. So I put the question to Biru. She explained that culture can be thought of as a reference point, something that guides you in your understanding of the world. It contributes to how you see the world and how you interact with other people. I believe that everybody has some culture somewhere in them. But without a culture, probably we, don't, we cannot even understand ourselves anymore. So it's definitely a very important uh, factor in terms of uh, well-being, in terms of how you understand yourself. Social psychology is all about how we relate to one another. Culture Culture provides a lens through which we view our interactions with others. So can culture influence our mental health? And does culture influence personality, which is another important concept in psychology? Or maybe personality is independent of culture. The interactions between culture, personality, and each person's mental world are still not entirely clear. But Biru and her colleagues aim to untangle these interactions. The major theme in this lab uh, currently is about culture and mental health. So we'll, we'll try to look into the sociocultural factors that could um, you know, promote mental health and as well as uh, alleviate any mental problems. Mostly these days we're working with uh, immigrants and uh, international students, as well as uh, maybe second-generation immigrants. Biru was at a conference in San Diego last week presenting her latest research findings. She showed that the type of social anxiety some people feel has to do with the way they define their self. There are two types of self-concept, the independent and the interdependent. I'll let Biru explain the difference. Independent and interdependent self-concept are the East and West way of looking at the self. So independent self-concept is attuned to um, the person as the very special, unique entity. So I am who I am. This is how traditionally Western uh, view of the self. So for interdependent self-concept, that is the self that is very attuned to relations. So they believe the self is a relational entity. So everything that defines me is in relation to others. So for example, I am my mother's daughter. You define yourself in terms of relations. The interdependent self has been labeled as more of an Eastern culture way of defining the self. Biru looked at European and Canadian students and showed that those who had a high interdependent self-concept and also had very low tolerance to uncertainty showed a special subtype of social anxiety. The fear lies in relations. So what they really fear is I'm I'm doing something wrong, but I'm not afraid that I I might embarrass myself 
Instead, I'm very much afraid that I will offend you, and then you will no longer be my friends or no longer want to proceed to be my friend. In Japanese terms, it's called taijin kofushu. Even though Biru found this in Canadian students, the understanding of this type of anxiety is relatively new in North America. On the other hand, in Japan, they have a therapy that's specifically tailored to it. I wonder if that's because this type of anxiety occurs more often in that culture than it does in ours. Trying not to embarrass people who are related to you in some way, like friends or family, is relatively normal. But it becomes a disorder when people can't get it out of their minds, when they become preoccupied with it, and it starts to interfere with their social life or mental well-being. They might try to avoid these kind of situations at all costs, and of course, these underlying fears always there will be there, even though、um, the situation is not、uh, not that bad or probably even not present. The experiment Biru is running now is about friendship. She wasn't able to tell me too much because it's an ongoing study whose participants are mainly Concordia students. But she did tell me that one of the things she'll be interested in looking at is different types of social support. Did you guys know there's visible and invisible social support? I did not know that. I had no idea. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, the terms are sort of self-explanatory. Visible support is when someone does something for you and you notice it. Invisible support is when someone does something for you and you're not aware of it. Biru's example was this: your roommate just had back surgery. Visible would be that you offer to do the groceries until they get better. Invisible would be that you clean up the house and rearrange the furniture so they always have a clear path and something to lean on when they go from their room, for example, to the bathroom. They might not notice what you did, but they'll still benefit from it. Biru's colleagues have already done some studies on this and showed that there are cultural differences in which type of social support is most used. Asians tend to have more invisible social support compared to Westerners, who have more visible social support. Speaking of social support, Biru wanted to give a shout out to all her volunteers who have helped her immensely with all the research. She says they're often unappreciated, and I can vouch for that since I volunteered at a lab as an undergrad. So yeah, props to to lab volunteers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway, right now Biru is in the second phase of her study that'll include sixty European Canadian students and sixty Chinese international students. She says she's finding it really difficult to recruit Canadian male students for some reason, even. <clears throat> Um, well, every research study aims to have an even number of males and females, so as not to bias results. I think you guys should help out in the name of science, and possibly because the lab is offering monetary compensation.、Uh, yeah. How much monetary compensation?、Uh, it's twenty dollars for your participation. Joel. Yeah, Joel. <laughs> But you know what? Mostly, mostly in the name of science, Joel.、Yeah. That's why you should do it. In the name of science. In the name of science. Name of finance is more like <laughs> it. Captain Planet. So, if any wow, students or Joel are interested, you can contact her at sa. tks. study at gmail. com, or you can visit Concordia's culture, health, and personality website. Well, thanks, Luciana. Thanks so much. We're going to have a little song break, and then it's going to be the French Connection.